the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. No matter where you are, in what relationship, you need to learn these truths. If you go into a marriage relationship with that understanding that most of us vowed, if you were married in a spiritual setting, unto death do us part, then you have learned the importance of fighting fair and finishing strong. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 9 says, As it is, I rejoice not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. You see, sometimes as a parent, you, you talk to your children about something they've done that needs to be corrected, and, and they say they're sorry, and, and you may say something like this, Are you? Are you really sorry? Or are you just sorry you were caught? Or are you just sorry because it feels bad right now? Are you sorry enough to change? Some of you are in major conflicts and, and you don't like it. You don't like the way it makes you feel. You don't like the pain that it's caused. Maybe in marriage, you've just started enduring it. You've, you've let it grow and grow and grow, but you've not let the pain cause you to change. That verse goes on to say, for godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Worldly grief produces death. Well, notice what it resulted in in Shulamite. Look at verse 8. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, tell him I am sick with love. In other words, I, I want to do whatever it takes To get this right. Now I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Because some of you lie anyway. But. I want you just to think about that. When's the last time. Whether it's in a marriage relationship. Or some other relationship in your life. Because we've all got conflict. That's just part of life. We've established that. When's the last time you've said. I'm going to do whatever it takes. Or as the Apostle Paul put it, as it, as it relates to me, I'm going to do all things to be at peace with all people. Remember, you're not responsible for somebody else. But there is going to be a day where you will stand before a holy God, whether you are Baptist or Catholic or Methodist or Episcopal or Lutheran or non-denominational, whether you popped into church once a month, once a year, or every time the doors are open, we will stand before God and he will account for what we've done with our lives, not for what you've done with someone else. So how do you deal with this? Let me just make it real practical. Number one, determine to respond, don't react. 
respond, don't react. Said another way, attack the problem, not the person. Romans 12, 1, Paul says, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And the first way I want to respond is I want to respond in prayer. Any need I have in my life, I want to immediately turn to God in prayer. And I want to demonstrate that right now. Because some of you, you can just feel it in the room if you're discerning at all. Some of you, the Holy Spirit of God is doing what I've asked him to do. He's just stirring up in your life some of these areas of conflict. And you're struggling right in this moment. So I'm going to show you how we pause and respond immediately in prayer. Pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for answering our prayers. I thank you for meeting here with us. And I thank you that anytime we call upon the name of the Lord, you answer. So I pray as we continue in your word, that you would continue to do your work. And for that man or woman, that teenager, that boy or girl, that student, at any age of life that is struggling because of conflict somewhere in their relational world, may today be at the least the beginning of healing. May this moment be a moment where, again, you begin to give comfort where that's needed and conviction where it's still warranted. And I thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Remember, God's not caused you to change your spouse. He's called you to love them and to pray for them. And your prayers may not change them immediately. But praying will always change you. <laughs> I would have amen that louder. Listen to this. In any relationship in your life, praying may not change the other person immediately. But praying will definitely change you. Determined to respond in prayer. Tony Evans said this about praying. He said, leave room for God to handle your spouse by leaving your complaints in his hands. If you're not married or you have another conflict, just take out that word spouse. Leave room for God to handle your conflicts by leaving your complaints in his hands. Now, in marriage, there's a practical way you do that. Just determine to go to bed every night praying for one another in some way. If you pray for your spouse before you go to sleep, boy, it's pretty hard to go to sleep with offense in your heart. So pray for them. Take your request to the Lord. Don't let that marriage bed be a place of conflict. I know how it works. When, you're, when things aren't getting along, you just naturally, it's like genetically, it's in your DNA, you assume the position. You know what a position is? Your backs are to one another. And then there's the huffer and puffers and there's the silent types. I'm a huffer and puffer. That's just the way I am. So if something's not right and we're just laying there, you're probably going to hear this. <sighs> My wife's more of the silent type. She's more likely to say, what are you huffing about? In fact, I love it. I meant to say this at the beginning. When we, for the first several years of our marriage, I, I, I've kind of not been afraid of conflict. And so I've kind of run to resolve things. She was more resolved. And then I'll never forget the moment that she said to me, I found my anger. 
I've been trying to hide it for about 18 years, but she found it. And so we will work together to get through these things. Respond in prayer. But then sometimes you respond with action. Try this. Stop asking what is being done to meet my needs and start doing what's necessary to meet the needs of your spouse. Stop asking or stop saying you're not doing what I need and start determining to meet the needs of those you love. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. So just uh, listen as I walk through these. These are from Tommy Nelson. I would call them the 16 nevers for fighting fair. Number one, never speak rashly. In other words, don't just say what you're thinking. That will often get you in trouble. Never confront your mate publicly. Never do that. Never confront in the presence of your children. Never use your children. Never say never or always. You know what I mean by that, right? You never do that. You always do this. Number six, never result to name calling. I mean, what is this? Second grade. Stop it. I mean, really. Some, some of you are calling the most important human being on the planet names. And that's just ridiculous. Never get historical. You heard about this guy who went to see a, uh, the psychologist. And he said, Doc, I need some help. The doctor said, what's wrong? He said, my wife is historical. The doctor said, don't you mean hysterical? He said, no, I mean historical. Every time I do something, she reminds me of what I did last week and last month and last year. Don't review history. Never stomp out or leave. Never raise your voice in anger. Never bring others into the discussion unless they're a part of the problem. In other words, don't bring in your parent or, or your children or our friends to say, don't you think, don't you see this in my spouse? Never win through reason or logic. Well, I remember as a young pastor, I was challenged about this. I was listening to just some teaching on ministry and marriage, and my now close friend, he, he said, guys, most of you communicate for a living. If your goal is to use your words to win an argument, you might do it. But you'll never win your spouse by doing that. Just because you might be better with words or reason or logic, don't use that. Number 12, never be condescending. Never demean. Never accuse with you statements. In other words, you do this and you do that. 
Number 15, never allow an argument to go on if you're overtired or under the influence or physically ill. Now, let me speak to that. What am I saying? This is another show of hands. Have you ever found yourself? I'm going to raise my hand, by the way, to help some of you who are accustomed to lying in this setting. <laughs> Have you ever found yourself in, your, in an argument and you realize, this is not a big deal. I'm just worn out. And, and because I'm worn out, it's just going on. Anybody else like that? Thanks. We got a little more on us. And so don't do that. You know, sometimes you just need to say, you know what? This is a big deal. I'm not ignoring it. I'm not holding on to it. But let's get some rest and tackle it when we're a little more rested. Don't do it when you're under the influence, but let's give you help for that. Don't get under the influence, right? That's silly. Don't do it when you're physically ill. Number 16, this is an obvious never touch in a harmful manner. And let me, I've tried to be serious and also be lighthearted, but let me say, if you're here and, and you're a victim of physical abuse in any relationship, that is not godly and under no circumstance, okay. Seek help. If you don't know anything else to do, come to us and we will help you find a safe haven and help you get help. Respond, don't react. Number two, look for the good rather than latching on to the bad. Listen to Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think on these things. Pastor Nick spoke to our men a couple weeks ago on Saturday morning, and he just challenged us. When you're struggling with someone, insert them into this verse and think about the good things that they have done for you, the good things that they are. One of the things you would see, and I encourage you to do this, if you go home and read the remainder of Song of Solomon this afternoon or evening, you'll notice that both Shulamith and Solomon began to just shower each other with praise. They make the things that were said in the first few chapters look like nothing compared to the way that they begin to tell each other they love them and why they love them. Ruth Graham was asked about Billy Graham traveling up to seven months a year and being gone from home. She was asked, isn't that hard and doesn't it make you hard to love him? And she said, five months with Billy is better than 12 months with any other man on earth. Find the good. Dwell on the good. Those last three chapters, 6, 7, and 8 in Song of Solomon are a demonstration of the power of words. Your words have power. They're either building up the people around you or they're tearing them down. What you say, how you say it, even when you say it, can make a difference in whether your words are building them up or tearing them down. Let me give you a prayer for those of you that are married. Maybe you just continue praying this regularly. Heavenly Father, help me to always use my words to build up my mate. Help him or her to see their value in your image through my speech. Help me to focus on his or her strengths and overlook or lovingly correct the weak areas so that what I say produces life, not death. Help my words point them toward your purpose for their life. What a practical prayer. You can pray. How would your marriage or other relationships be different if you prayed in this way? I want you to understand something. There is no one in this world 
that will meet your needs 100% of the time other than Jesus Christ. And we're walking out on relationships because of the 10 or 20% that we're not getting our needs met. I'm just telling you, as a pastor, I see it time and time again. People walk away from marriage because of the 20%. They go find somebody else they think that meets that 20%. And then one day they open their eyes and they realize, what have I done? My needs are not getting met. We walk away from churches because we don't like one thing. We don't like the music, or we didn't like a message, or we got our feelings hurt when someone walked by us and didn't talk. We walk away because of the 10% or the 20%, and we go somewhere else. And guess what we find? There's no group of people. There's no church that's going to meet my needs. Only Jesus can do that 100% of the time. Don't trade the 80% for 20%. Let me give you this last thing. Determine to talk rather than deciding to walk. Ephesians chapter 4 says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Give no opportunity to the devil. Some translations say, don't give the devil a foothold. I love what Tony Evans said about this. He said, some people not only let the sun go down on their anger, they let the moon go down on their wrath. They let the bitterness just grow within them. It's like the guy that was at the Super Bowl and he had an empty seat beside him. And the man sitting next to him said, you don't have someone coming to fill that seat. He said, no, that was my wife. She, she always came to the games with me, but she died. The man said, I'm, I'm so sorry. You don't have any friends that could come and take her place? He said, no, they're all at the funeral. <laughs> yeah, that'll simmer in a little bit. I mean, that's what happened. It just bitterness grows. So where did this end up for, for Solomon and Shulamite? Look at ver, chapter 7, verse 11. Come, my beloved, let us go out into the fields and lodge in the villages. Let us go out early in the vineyards and see whether the vines have budded, whether the grape blossoms have opened, the pomegranates are in bloom. There I will give you my love. The mandrakes give forth fragrance, and beside our doors are all choice fruits, new as well as old, which I have laid up for you, my beloved. I want you to understand that God's word teaches that you were created for a relationship and that your life is best lived in the context of relationship. We are better together. And in scripture, the mountain peak, the Mount Everest of relationships is the marriage relationship because in that relationship, we see the reflection of God's desired relationship with us. That's why I think it's so great that we have this theology of love and sex and marriage and dating right here in God's Word. There's so much we can learn. I love this summary by Linda Cardamus. She gives us five truths children won't know about marriage until we teach them. And so these are things I just want you to know as we wrap up this lesson on marriage. Number one, God designed marriage to be between a man and a woman. In our changing society, don't you dare throw away that truth that is central to God's word. Number two, marriage is a lifelong commitment. 
It's a lifelong commitment because it's that covenantal relationship. And just like God promises never to leave or forsake us, he gives us a relationship in which we are to never leave nor forsake. Number three, marriage is worth waiting for. Don't ever, ever let any Christian paint marriage as something that is not enjoyable, that is not fun, that cannot be exhilarating. Number four, marriage is not about being compatible. Because guess what? There are days where you and I are not compatible with anyone. We're hard to get along with. That's not the focal point of marriage. Marriage is about giving, not receiving. When you understand these truths, I believe it gives you the ability not only to fight fair, but to finish strong. I'm at a weird stage in life. I've, I've got children that are launching into adulthood. I've still got a young little girl. I've, and I've got aging parents that I'm watching go through the difficulties of that process. But one of the great things I see in my aging parents, now married over 60 years, is that their love is more fresh and tender than I've ever seen in my life. They're finishing strong. And by God's grace, you and I can too. Don't quit before you finish. But I promise that this was applicable to every relationship. I want to remind you why. And it comes straight from the word of God in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look at verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now I want you to do something. I want you to say this with me. Say, I am a new creation. Say that. I am a new creation. Say that one more time. I am a new creation. Now notice what it goes on to say. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What we're taught in Scripture is that the heart of the gospel is a work of reconciliation. We were separated with God. We were at conflict with God. We were, we were in no way with God. But Jesus demonstrates his vast love for us by dying on the cross so that we could be reconciled with a loving God. That is the truth of the gospel. But don't miss this. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is... In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting us with the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. The reason this is so important It's because when we determine to live through conflict by seeking reconciliation, we demonstrate the very power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
See, when we have peace with God, that means if you're a Christian, you've got peace with God, you get the peace of God, and it's the peace of God that gives you everything you need to have peace with anyone else in this world. You and I, if we're Christ followers, are without excuse. When we walk out and give up on relationships because of disappointment or disagreement, we cheaping the reconciling work of Jesus on the cross and demonstrate our lack of faith in his ability to make all things new. He can make your marriage new. He can make that friendship that is broken new. He can make that work relationship new. He can heal broken church relationships for you and make it new. Because that's what he does. Tim Lane said, remember, your relationship's not been designed by God as vehicles for human happiness, but as instruments of redemption. Your relationships are opportunities for God to demonstrate his reconciling power. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.